Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I'm sorry if my voice is a little bit off key. Uh, I'm recovering from COVID, but I'm still your host. I'm Sal Bono, and today I'm joined by someone who is taking activism from grassroots level by acting locally while thinking globally of LGBTQIA plus supporters and allied supporters of Union Omaha Proud Owls. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Ed Fox. Welcome, Ed. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the invitation and chance to talk with you and your listeners. Proud Owls is a you know, a labor of love and passion of mine and something that I think about daily. So, um, you know, I'm happy to talk about Proud Owls and kind of, I feel qualified to talk about its vision and those things. Great too that you are passionate about it. And it's great that we're going to dive right into it because there's so much to unpack, which is always good. But I want to start with your location first. Soccer conjures up images, for me at least, of exotic places beyond our <laughs> borders. Of course, the streets of Europe, the Technicolor broadcasts of the 90s here in America, the beaches of South America and Africa. But not a single point do I ever think, and I reckon most wouldn't, that Omaha, Nebraska would be the site of a pro team that would have such a devoted fan base that it would even have subsidiary devoted fan bases. So please explain to us, and me really, uh, what the game is like in Omaha. Sure, no, I'm happy to. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people think about Omaha, of course, as flyover country. Um, and if anyone thinks about sports in Omaha, typically you're thinking of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the football team, uh, maybe volleyball if you're into volleyball, because we're actually a, a powerhouse in ball women's volleyball. But those are the things people think about. Uh, beyond that, though, Omaha has a huge soccer culture. Um, high school high school soccer is extremely big in Omaha. The high school state championships take place at Creighton's 6,000-seat stadium and usually does a really good job of almost filling it. Um, and that's multiple levels of soccer, you know, multiple levels of schools, right? Class A, Class B, all of the different classes. Um, and then we have two Division One teams, the University of Nebraska Omaha Mavericks and then the Creighton Blue Jays. And the Creighton Blue Jays actually were just this past season in the College Cup, the final four of Division I uh, men's soccer, um, and had the men's player of the year, um, who was then drafted early in the first round of the MLS draft by the Sounders, I believe. So, um, yeah, we have, and then we've got some community colleges, which develop a lot of pro players who end up going, not usually, you know, straight to the MLS, but, you know, into the third, second and third tiers of soccer. Um, so Omaha is a, a sports town. We love sports, any sport. You bring a sport to us, we're going to get behind it. We have the Olympic swimming trial here. We've had them for the last like five, four or five Olympic cycles. And we sell, you know, 15,000 seats to watch the Olympic trials for swimming. We had gymnastics recently. It's just Omaha loves sports, all sports. Creighton basketball gets, you know, 16 to 18,000 people per game every every home game. So we love sports in Omaha. Soccer is a growing, it, you know, it's it's still a little lower profile than football, volleyball, basketball, but it's absolutely growing. Um, and Omaha itself has a fairly young kind of entrepreneurial white collar professional class, which, you know, soccer is right in the wheelhouse of that demographic. And so as that demographic expands in Omaha, so does the interest in soccer. Um, and, you know, for example, we've got four or five soccer bars now that are open for Premier League matches on weekends. You know, I, I'm a, not to open up cans of worms here, but I'm a Tottenham fan. Um, and, you know, I, I've been at the, the St. Andrews, which is a local bar here in town at 630 in the morning to watch Tottenham matches. Um, 
regularly and the bar has a huge Tottenham logo on the outside because it's kind of the official supporters group bar. So yeah, so soccer is getting much bigger in Omaha um, and that's only been helped now that we've got our own professional team. This is amazing and unbelievable and like already eye-opening and we're only just a couple minutes in. Uh, also, it, it, if the fan base is so devoted, I, I it blows my mind that not like MLS with their like, I don't know, bajillion team expansion every year it feels like or baseball is trying to like always expand and the nfl like bring a team to omaha like clearly the fan, like it's it's sort of like uh uh feel the dreams i know it's a different state but like if you build it they will come well it's just the next state over so it's not dramatic right, right, that's <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people might confuse us but you know well you know mls of course has its own issues and it, right. it has to have a certain size and you have to have stadiums you know there's all the requirements that come with mls um, and we have a, a just within about two and a half hours, uh, we have sport in Kansas City, which is That's very right. close okay. and has a pretty significant Omaha following. Um, also, you know, Minnesota United has a really big Omaha following. I would say those are the two MLS teams that probably are the most supported in Omaha that I see. Um, in Omaha, you know, we're not quite yet a million people in terms of our metro area. So we're still a little smaller. What I'll tell you is that the club we were able to get is in the USL League One. So it's tier three of u.s soccer um that's we are i believe and someone may correct me if i'm wrong but i believe we're the largest market in usl league one um our market and our demographics are actually much more a usl championship level market and demographics um the problem we have right now is we don't have an appropriate soccer specific stadium um we're playing in a baseball park um uh, it's all right field. there's a professional there's an mls <laughs> team playing right here in my backyard <laughs> yeah exactly so, you know and it happens at all levels it happens at the championship too but um i can tell you that union omaha is in the process of among other things some legislative action to try to get some supports to get a stadium built um the hope is within the next three years to have a about a ten thousand feet state-of-the-art soccer specific stadium that will allow Union Omaha to move up to the USL championship will also allow Omaha to uh, get a women's team. Um, there are USL has a women's league um, that right now we just don't have uh, pitch space for um, scheduling. We just can't because of the, you know, Union Omaha is trying to schedule around baseball season um, and trying to get a women's league in there at the same time. It's just not feasible at this point. But if we get that soccer specific stadium, the plan is to add right now, the plan is to add a women's team and also to add a youth academy um oh. because as i mentioned omaha is getting soccer crazy and we have a lot of you know youth uh programs in omaha that if we can develop an academy and try to keep some of those kids here keep them in omaha and build soccer in omaha that way through the youth leagues ranks um that will only strengthen the game here more often um you know we're very lucky we have an owner who's very forward thinking who um is a new yorker actually um he's uh from new york um he's a huge mets fan um and uh, commutes back and forth to New York and Omaha wow. a lot. Um, but he just actually, I just listened to a podcast one of our uh, friend supporters groups did, and he's fallen in love with the Omaha community and really wants to grow soccer and grow the community here in Omaha. He also owns our minor league baseball team. So he's just fallen in love with the city, fallen in love with the people here, fallen in love with soccer, and he wants to help grow the game. That's like, it only, it only goes up from here, but what bums me out is, is like, we're talking about USL. We're going to go back to Omaha in a little bit, but you opened, you did open up a can of worms. You said you were going to, but not with Spurs. Uh, we'll get to them a little later. But um, but when it came to with, with USL League One and 
the fact that like your team is there now and can go up to a championship level, but then it hit, they hit a ceiling. That's it. Like mm-hmm. they can't get into MLS. And there's been, and I watch on social media, there's been a lot of discourse as like, why are Americans supporting Wrexham? And why aren't you supporting your MLS team the way? You, well, Wrexham's got a story and that story yep. is to try and get to Premier League. Yeah, of course they got, you know, Deadpool and, you know, the guy from it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, that doesn't hurt. But there is a beautiful story there. And you see what that community is like. If I were to turn the cameras into on Union Omaha and follow you, I'm sure I'd see the same thing. I'd see the same pride. I'd see the same passion. I'd see the same people that you'll see in Wales. You'll see in Omaha that want to just be seen and want to be playing at a top tier level and give excitement to their community. That's all really sports wants to do. Yet there is a cap here that you can't get to the major league soccer and, you know, that's got to frustrate not only you, but it's also got to frustrate your owner. It's got to frustrate like everyone else where it's like, well, the best we're going to do is winning the second division of American League Soccer and we can't go anywhere else. Like, what does that like conjure up for you? No, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, and I, I think the Wrexham example is a good one. And you come to Omaha, you'll see that. I mean, we're passionate. We we show up early. We tail you know, tailgating is one thing we do in this country that they don't do in Wales and most of the world, but we like our tailgating. Um, you know, the last thing that happens, we uh, we don't, as Proud Owls, have a tailgate, but we're, we participate with one of the other supporters group, Omaha Parliament, which has kind of the lead biggest tailgate. Um, the last thing they do is, you know, at, right before we end the tailgate, they, the lineup gets read out and everyone cheers and, you know, we do the little lineup and then they shotgun a beer and everyone heads <laughs> inside. Um, you know, so you get that local grassroots feel um, when you're doing third division soccer and that's great. And it's built around our community. We love our city. We love our community. We want to see it grow. But it is frustrating to know that, it, you know, we love our championship. Uh, Union Omaha is only three years old. We did win the title in our second year in existence. Um one of our competitors won't like me mentioning it, but the first year of our existence, we made it to the championship game, but COVID ended up canceling the game. Um, Union Omaha couldn't participate because our guys got COVID. Um, and so we lost, quote unquote. Um, we, we talked about our opponent, Greenville, having an asterisk, um, which if any of them are listening to this, I'm sure I'll hear a lot about it on Twitter. But, um, you know, the next year, our second year in existence, we won the title. So, you know, it still feels good. We, we, we loved winning our title. We love having our cup. But it, it, it does, you know, when you're talking about the differences between American and European soccer, that was it. We didn't get to be promoted right. after we won that cup. We didn't get to move. It, the reason we can move to the championship is because we build a big enough stadium. That's, you know, and we buy our way in. That's, that's how we move up. And that's how you move up to the MLS, right? I mean, you got to have a big enough, you're going to have whatever it is, $30, $40 million these days, I think, to get a, pay the franchise fee just to have a chance to right. get into the MLS. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly not here to bash the MLS or talk badly about it. But, you know, I mean, one of the things that I do love about it would be nice, yes, to be able to be in the major leagues. But one of the things I love about our league is that it's not a corporate game at our level. Right. It's a grassroots game at our level. It's not about corporate branding, corporate marketing, you know, all the stuff. We don't have owners at this level who are making money, pocketing it and not building the team and, you know, paying players, all of that stuff. That doesn't happen at our level. It's it's about winning and it's about building that community. And that's one thing that is fantastic about the USL. I've become a big fan of the. I honestly don't have I don't even have an MLS favorite team. Um, I, I, I just 
don't have one. And my biggest experience with the MLS was that Union Omaha beat two MLS sides in the Open Cup last year. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, I don't mind tooting that horn a little bit on behalf of Union <laughs> Omaha. But, you know, we went in and beat Chicago in Chicago and beat Minnesota in Minneapolis um, on our way to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup. So um, that's my biggest experience with MLS is that. And then besides that, I love my lower league soccer. I like I like the grassroots. I like the local nature of it. I like the communities involved. And I'll tell you, you know, we're great friends with supporters of all the other USL teams. Yeah. I, it, it's very much USL banding to you know we're all friends together we have friends in greenville um maybe not as many in madison as we might like um that's kind of our rival but you know we've got friends in a lot of these other clubs um and especially through proud owls we've developed friendships with a lot of these other clubs um just given the nature of our support um but yeah i love usl um i love supporting a team at this level it would be great if we had promotion um and relegation and Last we heard, USL was contemplating instituting it between its two leagues so that you could get promoted and relegated between the League One and the championship. Um, that's still under discussions, I believe, among the USL managers. But, you know, they, look, it, it's 2023. We know it's not going to happen with MLS. They, those owners just aren't going to take that risk. It, it's And it's to me, I don't even look at it as a risk. I just see it as a great way to develop the game here in this country. We talk yeah. about – look – I've talked about enough on this podcast. Like I've got no issue with the, like the U S men's team. It's just not a team I support. It's, it's like, it, um, I was born into an Italian family that loves the Azzurri and that's it. Like that's my national team. But like, of course I want soccer to do well here. I want this sport that I love to thrive in order for it to thrive. And instead of like sending our players uh, or American players, like we get excited when they do well and go to abroad or like are a bench player at like Juventus or a bench player at like Chelsea, but they don't get starting time and they're not, you know, Jao Felix or they're not, yeah. you know, Jude Bellingham. Um, they are bench players on big teams, which is great. That's awesome. That is the exposure that you want. But also there's a way to harness that here and make sure that like the talent stays within these borders or at least within the continent that, you know, as Canada develops and, you know, their program, which we saw in their first world cup, you know, this la uh, last year mm -hmm. and Mexico, of course, is the powerhouse. They are the gold standard in terms of North American club soccer, but it's like, what can we do to keep them here, but also like keep the fans engaged and keep, and I, and you talked about how maybe Omaha per capita doesn't have that many people, but if the pride and the passion is there and you know you're going to make ticket sales, I'm sort of like, well, it's a no-brainer. Would you rather have like a team in a city where no one's going or do you want to have a team in a city where everyone's going? Yep. And now like I've never been to Omaha, but I feel like I've traveled there thanks to the music of Bright Eyes and other artists from the Sound <laughs> Creek music label. Yep. It seems to be like a very alternative place, which kind of makes sense why all of this is the perfect storm for Union Omaha. Be playing in a competitive league with such hardcore and passionate fans, that is the alternative to what the mainstream is. Is that fair to say that like that's kind of like what Omaha is like in general? Well, you know, I, it's probably a slight overstatement, just totally in general, right? I mean, Omaha's got its sides in its its communities, and uh, you know, it, it it's it's not uh, probably as black and white as that. Though you're right, Saddle Creek Records is a great example of there is kind of an undercurrent yeah. uh, within Omaha of that. But you also have to think of Omaha. Omaha in Nebraska is the big city, right? So you've got 
you know, say Nebraska, I think maybe 1.8 million people, give or take, now in the state uh, wow. total in the state. Wow, yeah. there's like 1.8 million people <laughs> on my block, dude. Yeah, like, it, yeah. <laughs> yes, no, you know, I mean, you're what New York City is about 10 million, something yeah. give or take like that, and the New York Metro, yeah, we're 1.8 as a state. Um, and Omaha, you know, is about 800 of that, almost half. But you got to think that Omaha is the big city, so you. If you think about, you know, almost the bad 80s movies, right, of the rural kids moving to the big city, you know, The Secret of My Success, or I don't know if you know that Michael J. Fox movie course, or whatever yeah. the case happens to be, but, um, you know, so <clears throat> Omaha gets those big dreamers that come to Omaha. Um, you know, maybe they go through Lincoln first to go to the university, and then they end up in Omaha. Um, but, you know, th there's a pull in Omaha for that sort of person, uh, because it's the big city, and, you know, we're You've got Kansas City a few hours south. You've got Chicago eight hours one direction. Denver eight hours. Minneapolis five and a half six hours. You know, so we're right in the middle of this kind of area, and we've we've got the pole with that kind of big city feel. And so there is definitely a current of that in Omaha. Um, Omaha is almost a little divided into quadrants. There are different kind of quadrants, but if you're in the eastern half, certainly of Omaha, like I live, and where a lot of the people I know live, then you know that alternative edge certainly exists. Now, one of the issues we have in Omaha is that right now, Union Omaha, by virtue of playing in the baseball stadium, doesn't play in Omaha proper. It actually oh. plays in a suburb. Uh, it's in a suburb called Papillion, and Papillion's about 20 miles from the heart of downtown. Um, it, it takes half an hour plus to get there by car, and that's really the only way you're going to get there is by car. Um, there's really no public transportation that will get you there. So part of the mo movement for building the soccer-specific stadium and the club's intent now it's pretty clearly stated is to put it in the heart urban core of omaha put it downtown nice. um as a matter of fact right now if you look at the usl there was a recent someone put together a recent chart and you know if not the farthest from downtown is within the one or two furthest from downtown this would put us as close as anyone to our downtown we'd be right in the heart of the city and we'd be in a currently blighted area where we'd be redeveloping part of okay. that blighted area um, in an underserved portion of Omaha's downtown. So um, not only do we think it has soccer benefits, but it will also have significant community benefits if we're able to get the stadium built. Um, but beyond that, um, Union Omaha right now, you know, the first three years, we had the highest attendance in USL League One. Wow. Um, last year, Madison overcame us a little bit now that they've got their soccer stadium and, you know, they've done some additional marketing things, but we were right still number two, I believe. Um, and that's playing at a baseball field 20 miles from the middle of town with no public transit. And that's, you know, we're not getting <clears throat> the heart of Omaha's population out there right now. Right. And so the anticipation is to build a stadium that's probably 10,000 seats, maybe with 6,500 hard back seats for, you know, in a soccer setup. Um, and then maybe, you know, standing supporter sections, things along those lines. Um, which is a big thing we push for as supporters. We want our standing supporter sections and the club has indicated an intent to work with us on that. But um, we, we're we right now not getting most of what Omaha has to offer. We're not getting the fans and the you know the alternative fans that are the young progressives who don't want to go out to the suburbs on a Saturday night um, where there's no, you know, you have to drive to a bar. You know, there's right, no, right. you can't walk to a bar to pregame or postgame. You have to drive places. So it, it's it's not the ideal setup. We're still pulling 4,000 people, you know, 
on weekend games. Weeknight games are tough. <laughs> Some nights we don't get we don't get that on Wednesday night games. But when we're playing a Saturday night game, we're getting close to four thousand people who are coming out that distance. And you know, we play in the middle of the cornfield right now. It really there's there's some development popping up around Werner Park where we play, but for the most part, it's still outside of city limits and kind of a rural area. So that's what we're doing with that setup. We can only imagine what's going to happen when we can get downtown and actually, you know, get the fans that were, you know, I talk to people all the time when I go to, for example, U.S. men's games during the World Cup, we went to a bar, you know, we'd go to a bar to watch the men's game and it's absolutely packed. And I would wear some piece of Union Omaha garb just because, you know, that's what I do. And, um, you know, we talk to people about it and they say, well, I, I just can't get out to Warner. It's too far. You know, if it ever comes into the city, I'll be I'll go to every game, but I can't do that now. So we'll easily fill the stadium once we get it downtown. I have no doubt about that. And the passion that we have, which is already significant, will only get bigger. That's awesome. I mean, and the fact that like the team is only three years old and pulling in like that, that many people already that. And as you said, traveling a great, a pretty good distance, um, you know, is that. Now, because of Union Omaha's creation in in the city three years ago, is that how was that your gateway drug into this sport? Were you a soccer fan before Union Omaha came about, or was this the team that made you fall in love with this game? So I was a soccer fan before. Um, I but what I would say is I was a soccer fan before. I'm a soccer fanatic now. Nice. Um, nice. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I became a fan in 2014. Um, I, whatever reason, um, look, my tr- the true story is I hated soccer before 2014. I was one of those kind of angry, uh, terrible Americans who just, you know, it's, how can you like a game where there's only one or two goals? How can you like a game where they don't use their hands? I don't understand how this clock thing works. You know, uh, what is this about draws? No American can like a sport where there's a draw. You know, all of that, all of the cliche things. I, I was that guy. I mean, I fully and freely admit that I was that guy. For some reason, the 2014 U.S. team in the World Cup got me. Uh, okay. You know, I was uh, jingoism being what it is. I decided to watch <laughs> watch the World Cup. Um, I did. I became a fan of the U.S. men's team. And but the problem with that, and this is. I think goes to a little bit of what you're saying is my instant reaction to becoming a fan of soccer was, okay, I need to go find a premier league team. Mm, right. It wasn't, I need an American team because right. at that time there wasn't an American team in Omaha. So right. that there was no natural draw for me. I could have gone to sport in case. You could but... have found like a city team, man. Like you decided yeah. immediately, like I'm going, I'm going to the English. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it used to be on what NBC sports network, it right. Was, yeah, All the games were on and, you could easily catch them. And so I decided I was going to adopt an English team. My wife did the same your thing. Story, your story, I'm sorry, I, you, I want you Please. to continue, but your story is what what I hear so much of, especially from friends of mine that have over the years gotten into it. And I've always just like, what NBC has done with the Premier League has been phenomenal. They deserve every accolade. And it is unbelievable what they're able to do to catch on to folks that, like yourself, and friends of mine that would have never cared that thought I was always on like planet, like a different planet, like watching this game. And it is, it's, it's no surprise that you've fallen in love with the premier league or picked the premier league team first um, and stuck with it. But I want, now I'm hoping I want, I'm going to get you to branch out. Ed. I'm going to get you to branch out. We're going to talk about that <laughs> later on, but anyway, continue. continue. Well, well, no, I have branched out. Uh, so, but that's what I'm saying is I immediately went to the premier league. And so then I became a Tottenham fan. I followed Tottenham for the you know last however many years until 
you know, it was 2018, I think, I heard that there was going to be an announcement at Warner Park, and the rumor was that pro soccer was coming to Omaha. Nice. Um, at that point, I didn't know anything beyond MLS. I didn't really know anything about USL. Um, I just hadn't reached that level of consciousness about the American game yet. And so um, I watched the press conference. Um, uh, Gary Green, who is our owner, um, announced that he was bringing this team, um, at that point unnamed, of course, just that there was going to be a USL League One franchise in Omaha. Um, he announced our first coach at that point, which was really a big deal because uh, the guy he appointed as the first head coach was a guy named Jay Mims, who was kind of soccer royalty in Omaha. He had wow, okay. he had a history with he had a history with the universities in Omaha and really built the Creighton program to what now has continued to, to be a successful soccer program. And so that was a big deal in Omaha that Jay Mims was going to be that gave it initial cachet and credibility that Jay agreed to take over this program. And so I heard all of that, didn't think a whole lot of it um, until, you know, six, eight months or whatever it was later where they had the announcement you know with the brand and the name and um so we went to that no, no real expectations but excited that there was this possibility out there and that this new thing was coming saw the branding which i still think is some of the best branding in all of soccer um union omaha's crest and logo is as good as it gets in my view um in american soccer and and they spend a lot of money on it and i i can't remember the name of the designer but he's prominent he designs badges for wow. MLS teams. And so they put real effort into this. Um, and then they announced Union Omaha. Once we got the logo, um, we actually ran into some friends at the announcement that I didn't know were soccer fans. And that kind of led to growing that community beyond that. Um, immediately that night, went home and had a friend, started a supporters group. This is a different supporters group than Pratt Owls. Um, it's still one that's ongoing called, uh, at that point it was called Union Army. Now it's called UA Local 119. Um, we decided we didn't want the militaristic sort of feel of being an army. Um, I, they'll get mad at me when they hear this, but I just, it, we, we're, we're a bunch of aging hipsters. And at some point our, <laughs> our aging hipsterism said we don't want to be militarized any longer. So let's, let's get rid of the military connotation and instead let's, uh, let's go with labor unions because uh, that's more our style. But um, so we started that supporters group that night. And then I was hooked. from that point on, I was hooked. Now, our first year, of course, so we bought season tickets. We're very excited. Um, and then COVID hit. And so Union Omaha's first year was a COVID year. Wow. And it was a shortened season. Um, capacity was limited at Warner Park um, to only 2,400, I think, is what. And we were socially distanced within the park. So and it, they did a fantastic job. So you had three seats you'd have three seats and then there'd be at least three seats in all directions around you and those were zip tied up so people could move around so everyone was forcibly based off of your season ticket package um socially distanced within the park and so that was a hard year but the team um and we had very low expectations right we were a brand new team uh, our first game on the road, we drew, and then our first home game, we beat the defending champions um, in a total shocking, and it, you know, it was an 88th minute goal, I think, to win one nil, um, and that just built the excitement in the community. And then we ended up because that was a COVID year, the playoffs was just going to be a final. There's only going right. to be one playoff game, and that was the game we made. Uh, we did it on decision day um, with a, again a night like a 90th minute goal. Minute goal to qualify for the championship. And then of course we missed out on that. So, um, so that's kind of my soccer story, but once you in Omaha develops, you know, I went from thinking about soccer Saturday or Sunday morning 
Um, you know, back in those days, of course, Tottenham wasn't in the Champions League, so <laughs> it was mostly Saturday, Sunday morning. Um, and then I wouldn't think about it much the rest of the week. Now, every day of my life is soccer related, affected, impacted in one way or another. I mean, literally every day. And oh man, this is awesome! <laughs> like this is like the best story, man. Like this is this is this this is why I do this podcast. Thank you. Um, but because that that's the beauty of it. Um. I don't know if you know that I'm an AC Milan fan and we just played the Champions League yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tottenham and Champions League. I didn't want to throw it in. You know, but, <laughs> but you had to. We, 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 I had to. I had to. We, we've had a trash 2023. I, you know, by the time this podcast airs, the games between Milan and Spurs will have played themselves out. So we don't know. You might actually get the last laugh in a couple weeks. Yeah, we've got, a, we've got a return leg. I'm we've got saying, a return. Yeah. Exactly. And Antonio Conte has a bag of tricks. So, um, but... Uh, you know, now tell me about Proud Owls because your story to get to the sport has been awesome and beautiful, but you cultivated something even more awesome and beautiful. So now what is Proud Owls? How did that come about? And, you know, what has the reception been like from Union Omaha towards your organization? Sure. So Union Owls, uh, or sorry, <laughs> Proud Owls, started a little over a little under a year ago we started uh just june 1st of last year was our first day right that's the day we went public opened up our socials and started interacting with the world um and that was intended to coincide with the first day of pride last year so pride month is june june 1st is the month we started um the impetus for proud owls is it's not there's no specific triggering event it wasn't like something happened that led the need for the club but there were two things that kind of are in i've described a couple of times led me to start thinking about it one was my co-founder um phoebe at that point had not come out yet mm -hmm. um and then right around march or whatever of last year phoebe came out uh, initially as non-binary um and has subsequently come out as a trans woman and when Phoebe did come out, I, I wasn't great friends with Phoebe, but I knew Phoebe well enough that I realized, you know, we need to make sure that Phoebe's safe and feels welcome to these games. Um, Phoebe had been a big part of the Omaha soccer community up to that point, and I did. I wanted to make sure that didn't change now that Phoebe's identification was going to change, um, and to make sure that Phoebe felt as welcomed at games before after as she did before and so that was one kind of impetus another is that for the first couple of years you need omaha existed and you know your fans can react to this as they want uh, chick-fil-a has been a sponsor of mm -hmm. you need omaha um it was a legacy sponsor it came with the baseball field it was not something that soccer the soccer program or soccer club specifically negotiated and accepted but um chick-fil-a has been a sponsor and as I'm sure most people know, you know, Chick-fil-A's relationship with the LGBTQIA population is a strained one and has been for quite a while and for a variety of reasons. And so um, I had been someone who is, look, I'm a pain in the ass. I, I, I don't know if I can say that word on your podcast, but yeah, I'm a pain you didn't in... swear as much as you want, by the way. Okay. Like, you know, Good. This Good. Is, you know. <laughs> so I, I could be a pain in the ass. And this was an issue that I've been a pain in the ass a little bit about. Um, you know, every night when it would get announced, the list of sponsors and Chick-fil-A was listed as one of them, it just caught my craw a little bit. And so I had, you know, Omaha small. So our owner comes to our tailgates. 
when he's in the wow. city, he comes and tailgates with us. Um, he's well known for being on Twitter and saying, you know, I'll buy everyone around a beer. Or when he, when there were all of the road fans, for example, that went to the games in Chicago and Minneapolis for the Open Cup, you know, he took them out and bought rounds for. He, that's awesome. he, he, and he's on Twitter. He's responsive on Twitter. We talk to him all the time. He does all the podcasts with uh, all the fan groups, etc. Um, and relatedly, the club president, Marty Cardero, and the club GM, now a guy named Peter Marlette, are equally accessible. You know, I've got Peter's cell phone number. I can text him anytime something pops up um, and get a response within minutes. Um, awesome. It's not. Yeah. And so I've been a bit of a pain on these issues. And I kind of let my feelings know about Chick-fil-A. And um, last year, we were getting ready to play one of our Open Cup matches at a different stadium. We were going to be playing at UNO, the University of Nebraska, Omaha, <coughs> Caniglia Field, because uh, there's a conflict with the Werner Park, our home field. And he, Peter came up to me at, at an event and let me know that at that uh, match, there was going to be a Chick-fil-A food truck. UNO owned the field. They ran the concessions. They would have one. He wanted to let me know that it was not something the club had arranged, um, but he also wanted to make sure that, you know, get a feel for how I thought the community might react to it because I had uh, been pretty vocal on these issues and he knew that I talked to people about it. And it was kind of at that point I realized that I shouldn't be the sole representative for this community, <laughs> right? Um, I don't want to be the guy who speaks for what the LGBTQIA population in Omaha or soccer fans uh, and allies, not just the LGBTQIA, LGBTQIA population, but allies. I, I didn't want to be the spokesperson for that group without anyone having given me that authority to do that. Right? <laughs> I, I don't want to just take that. Um, even that, though I identify as a member of the community, it wasn't my place. I felt like to talk for all of the community. So that's kind of what led me to think about, you know, I think we needed a group. I think we need a place where LGBTQIA fans, allies can come together and speak on these issues together be in a position to lobby the club wasn't necessary, um, push the club if we felt like it was necessary on our issues, but also to provide representation in the in the stands yeah. uh, to let people know not only are there LGBTQIA, you know, LGBTQIA fans, but we're in the stadium. We support Union Omaha. You're welcome here and you can come join us. You know, you don't have to be afraid of where you when you come to the stadium about whether you'll fit in or not because if you don't fit in wherever you feel like you're in the stadium come find us because we're visible and so representation is something that's just generally important to me i think it's really important um especially with issues in our community that you know kids see right. it gets better they see you know adults who um love them respect them affirm them and that you know there are places like soccer matches that are welcoming to them so those are the kind of the impetuses. Once Phoebe came out, that gave me kind of a representational issue. And then once, you know, I was talking to the club about some of these issues and I realized it'd be nice to have a bigger voice than just mine uh, speaking on these issues. So I got together with Phoebe. We talked about it. We co-founded Pride Owls. And then it's just kind of taken off from there. I love it. That's awesome. I mean, it's to me, it's it, it's it's weird to me that in 2023, we still don't see an abundance of players that have disclosed their sexuality. We see it a lot on the, on the women's end, which mm -hmm. again, like the women's team is just naturally braver and naturally ballsier. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. It's like, but. Well, I'll say there's an element of that, but there's also an element that, you know, I mean, women's 
sexuality is not seen the same way as men's sexuality. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, there's there's the cliches about how men feel about women <laughs> together and, you know, women's sexuality. But th- there's an element of that that's absolutely true. Um, and so I agree with you. It, 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 it is crazy in 2023 that there aren't more you know, professional soccer players who have come out or identified, but not, one of the reasons maybe why is in USL League One, we are the only LGBTQIA supporters group. Whoa, because well, like, in, okay, because like- in the, Well, let me tell you this though, in the championship, there are two. And in the MLS, there are less than a dozen. I was now, just that being they, said, there are bigger groups who may have components, right? Like I'm not saying that there's a lack of representation at every level, but I've been doing this research, and if you follow our Twitter, you'll see I've posted a number of times recently trying to find these clubs in the U.S. Because there's a ton in Europe. Yeah. You know, I mean, part of what made me think of this is Proud Lily Whites, the Spurs yeah. uh, LGBTQIA supporters group, which is pretty prominent and very active. And so that's what kind of got me to thinking about Proud Owls. But then as I've been doing the research and found that, you know, in all of U.S. professional soccer, there's less than a dozen specific lgbtqia supporters groups that was surprising to me um and it's shocking you know, to fact- me that's why i'm sort of like because then i i would have thought for sure that number would have been way higher yeah and you know unless i'm missing them which i you know i've done quite a bit of research i've talked to you know people who know these things you know i talked to members of other groups and leaders of other groups to help me identify so i'm trying not to miss any um, but I've got a list. If you look at our Twitter feed, there's a couple posts on there where I post the list I have and say, am I missing anything? Am I missing anyone? Um, and I'm just not getting that. And like I said, you know, there are bigger supporters groups that don't necessarily, you know, because for example, Union Omaha, we, our main largest supporters group um, is Omaha Parliament. That's kind of, you know, the supporters group um, in terms of size. And they're welcoming. I mean, they're hundred percent welcoming. They didn't need me and Proud Owls for Parliament to be welcoming, but and they have LGBTQIA members. But you know, so I, I know there's probably similar things with a lot of clubs where the big supporters group is absolutely welcoming, and mm-hmm. you know they do. But I, I do think it's important to have groups like ours independent. That you know, because you go into the Parliament section, you're going to see Parliament, and Parliament makes pride shirts. That's great. Some people will wear them. That's great. But our group is purely about representation, right? It, Parliament has a hundred constituencies to respond to. I don't. Proud Pat Owls doesn't. We, we have a constituency to respond to. And we have a group of people who we need to be there for. And so I can focus that energy on that group. And so I think it's important to have these groups independent of the other supporters groups. I realize not everyone may agree with that. I'm sure there are probably some large supporters groups, especially, you know, maybe at the MLS level who think, oh, well, what do you know? We do fine on our own, whatever. Um, but still, it does surprise me that there are so few specifically identified groups in the U.S. soccer culture. And that's, you know, the fact that we can only get this many supporters groups makes it less surprising to me that we have fewer players, right? Because yeah, I'm like, I'm just so baffled by all, like, I would have thought for sure, because like, again, with the amount of teams that are in England, not to talk about Premier League again, but like the amount of teams that are there, right? You look at London's got like over a dozen teams, right? Yep. You know, on every facet of the pyramid. And each one of those teams almost every one of them has an lgbtqia plus supporters group like even like i interviewed ryan from proud terriers the huddersfield town 
Um, I interviewed uh, the uh, president of Rainbow Toffees um, for the Everton supporters group. And like, there's so many others. And like, they talk about how like they band together with other organizations from across the pyramid and across the country. And I thought for sure we would have had that in America. And now it's, it's, it's almost like it makes me even more excited to not only have you on because I hope maybe that someone's listening and somewhere else that doesn't have a group and this sparks like, Hey, you know what? I can do this. Um, because you're right. Representation does matter. And it matters, especially in a soccer stadium. And I don't need to be the one to tell you this, but like, imagine if you like when you were a kid and saw like a welcoming group, absolutely. you could like, I, I just keep thinking of like what, what it would have been like, younger for for people like that are coming of age now where like everything is weird everything is fucking weird everything's weird as an adult let alone as a teenager <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> so it's no. like you know but for you what's it like to march into your stadium with by the way you're very cool proud owls kids <laughs> and i want one i gotta find a way to get one um but what's that what's that feeling like being a team off the field that supports your team on the field well, you know, I mean, certainly we're like every other supporters group to a certain extent, right? We support our team. We're supporters. We want to go in. We want to cheer. We want to be loud. We want to make noise. We want to help the players, you know, succeed on the field. Um, we share that with all the other supporters groups, and that's wonderful. Um, but the thing you mentioned is the thing that strikes me always, which is the young people, right? There are any number of – every game of the year, there are youth soccer clubs, that are coming right as a club and getting a group rate and coming and you're, you know, there's dozens and dozens of young soccer players who are coming, maybe getting recognized on the field at some point during the game, et cetera. Um, for that gay kid who's on that soccer club, who, you know, could spend the next 12 years in the closet, hiding their sexuality, trying to be, you know, the straight kid that everyone wants them to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for them to walk into the stadium and see our flag or to see the pride flag, uh, progress pride flag, which is on both sides of the stadium. We have it on our side, uh, parliament puts one up as well. Oh, nice. um, and, you know, for them to see that in the stadium, to hear our voices, to see our kits, you know, our kits, which thank you. I appreciate the compliments. Um, all of in York, for those of you who uh, might be interested, is phenomenal. Um, we worked with them on our kits and they did great, great work with us. Um, and uh, the back of our kids, for kids, for example, has protect uh, protect trans lives um, oh, on the back awesome. prominently. Um, and you know, to walk around the stadium sharing that message, hoping that you know that closeted kid or that closeted teen or that closeted adult, quite frankly, mm -hmm. sees it and sees that there are those of us willing to stand up, willing to you know announce ourselves, announce the group. That matters a lot to me um, because I think if you know when I was a kid. Had I seen that, how it might have affected my thinking. And I, I didn't grow up terribly troubled with these issues. Like I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't a kid with a family that was virulently homophobic, who was scared to death that, you know, someone could find out. Like I didn't grow up in that kind of culture, but there are those kids who absolutely do. And in Nebraska, there are a lot of them probably. So um, it's really important for me to be able to share that message and to have that visibility in the field. So I'd love to go. I'd love to support my club. I'd love to go. I'd love to support my club as a member of Proud Owls. And I'd love to go and to be a representative of something for kids who are vulnerable, who might be struggling that, you know, obviously in the moment, you know, we're not 
nothing's going to happen in that moment, but they can see a future. They can see a path. They can see that they can be accepted and affirmed and loved uh, no matter who they are and what they grow up to be. And so that's extremely important to us as a group. And, you know, to me personally, that's uh, been a huge impetus for why we did this in the first place. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I'm like, so just like, congratulations on everything and what you're doing. It's so important. And it's so like, we're at a point in this country too, where the idea of gay historical figures doesn't want to get mentioned or taught in schools. Like I believe that Marsha B. Johnson should be taught to everybody, but, but there's a, there's a lot of people that don't see it that way. And it's funny. Our first, our first tweets were devoted to Marsha. Um, the, the thing we did uh, during the month of June last year, and I, I don't think I could ever do it again because it ended up taking a big toll on me. Um, but every day for the month, of, through that first month of June, we highlighted a key trailblazer in the LGBTQIA rights movement or a Q, you know, or a group, you know, a person or group or event, you know, up to Stonewall, et cetera. Um, and Marsha was the very first person we discussed. And, you know, there was a reason that we chose Marsha, obviously, not only is she a member of the community, but being a Black trans woman, maybe the least spoken about, least protected group of people in the entire country. Um, we thought it was important to start with Marsha's story. I, that's that's awesome she's definitely like a hero of mine um we uh i've done stories on her as a journalist um investigated her case uh with the great victoria cruz um also another trailblazer and pioneer like for anyone that doesn't know who Tri uh -huh. victoria cruz is look her up um she got her own day did she really <laughs> yeah she got her own day uh, during june oh love her uh, that's <laughs> awesome that is awesome um but it's you know but it's like these are like one of my journalistic heroes. And I tell him this every time I see him and, get, and I'm so honored and privileged. I get to work with him on occasion is Michael Musto. And to me, it's like, look, and I'm, and I'm like, and I'm a straight ally, but like he had such an impact on me and my, to get to like, so excited about New York city and nightlife and culture and things that are different. Cause that's yeah. usually where all the cool shit happens <laughs> is like where things are different. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. So it's like, you know, that to me is just like, it's, these are all amazing people that are amazing people and they happen to be gay and like, they've changed the course of history and they've probably changed the course of your life. You just don't realize it yet. Yep. So congratulations for doing that. And congratulations for just changing the course of hopefully someone else's life and your own too. We keep hearing, I know I mentioned the world cup earlier, but we keep hearing that FIFA's famous motto now is football is for everyone. Yeah. So my feeling is that we should always hear from everyone, but the powers that be in the game's governing body seem to say this, but don't put it into action. How irate does that make you? Uh, it, it's infuriating. And it's infuriating because it makes me choose between things I love and care about and are passionate about, right? Um, you know, I didn't boycott the World Cup because I made a variety of decisions internally about um, what value my boycotting would have versus, you know, the respect I had for the players and the people, especially the players who themselves probably wanted to say more than they were allowed to say because of FIFA, you know, take the armband issue or whatever you want. Um, but ultimately I ended up taking a certain amount. I took a dollar amount and for every goal during the world cup, I donated it to a um, combination of uh, worker relief and LGBTI, LGBTQIA groups. Um, so that, you know, I could try to trans. Boycotting would have been something that would have made me feel good, whereas, you know, donating was something that could actually hopefully make an impact on the world. 
And so I, By I the made way, that decision. highest scoring World Cup ever. So you fucking yeah, scored it was, a lot. <laughs> it, it was uh, writing the check was not painful because I knew why I was doing it, but writing the check was painful because it was, you know, what it was. But um, but that being said, and I think I used Venmo, I probably never mind a check, but um, I don't even know where my checkbook is. It's all right. But... I still pay my check with things. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but, uh, but it, you know, it really sucks. I, I don't want to have to choose between soccer and human rights. And that's what it is, right? It's not right. politics. It's human rights. Uh, you know, uh, this isn't, you know, I don't want to, you know, right now we've got a political thing about whether public money should go into the soccer stadium, right? That's politics. The existence of trans people and whether trans people should be allowed into society and be able to participate in society, that's not politics. That's human rights um, and human dignity and decency, frankly. Um, and so asking me to choose between those things so that FIFA can make the buck sucks. Um, it infuriates me. It makes me extremely angry. And so we tried to be very vocal during the World Cup to remind people of, you know, various aspects of Qatar's record, um, you know, with the Women's World Cup coming up, you know, and I, I'll i be honest, I keep hearing stories about Qatar trying to buy into Spurs, and that would probably be the end of my Spurs fandom. Um, I just, I, I don't, I couldn't support a club, you know, I not to insult Newcastle fans, I don't mean to, but, you know, I couldn't support a club that was owned by Saudi Arabia or owned i'm making air quotes since this is an audio podcast but owned by saudi Arabia. you know I, I just couldn't do it and if that happens you know not that any billionaires <laughs> you know pure and clean and virginal but you know there's a difference in my mind um between these state-owned clubs and when the states themselves engage in you know these types of human right abuses as a matter of just policy um and so yeah it's it's terrible it feels terrible to have to choose between those things um it's part of though what makes me feel so good, for example, about supporting my club. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you had, you mentioned earlier or, or suggested maybe we'd talk about how my club's reacted to Proud Owls. Yeah. And mm -hmm. our club has welcomed us with open arms. And awesome. the club leadership has opened us with open arms. And, you know, there's something that hasn't been announced yet that I think will be announced by the time this airs, but I probably still should be a little quiet about it. But our club is uh, engaging in a extremely significant LGBTQIA program this next year to educate itself, to educate um, the front office, to educate the team, to educate supporters. Um, and it's a big deal that, you know, our club's kind of being honored with because the club has always adopted the motto and the club motto is one means all, um, which also correlates to OMA. And so it's kind of built into everything we do, the OMA um, for Omaha and one means all. And so the club, as a general rule, there are moments that I disagree with the club, and we are an independent supporters group, so I reserve the right to criticize the club at any time and for any reason I, I or Proud Owls choose. But um, the club's been great on our issues and takes us very seriously and listens to us. Um, like I said, I you know sat texting the GM last night about some issues. And so one of the things I love about grassroots non-corporate soccer is that it is different. You know, they, our club has on multiple on multiple occasions taken positions that created risk for it for example the first season our team kneeled during the national anthem uh, okay yeah. um during that COVID year and it got a ton of press it got news coverage we had all of the negative voices you could imagine we had we only ha only happened once but we had someone heckling and booing during the national anthem telling them to get up or get out you know all of that shit um but you know blm mattered here and uh our our ownership said, no, we will not tell them not to do that. 
Um, we won't interfere with that at all. And uh, second year, some some players chose to continue it. Other players chose not to. Um, and that was, you know, into everyone's individual conscience allowed them to make that decision. And the club did not interfere and would not interfere. So those are the things that at the grassroots and at these local clubs we can do maybe a little bit more than a corporate owned billion dollar business <laughs> you know, I, can get away with. But it also, it's sort of just like, again, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, where these are human rights issues here. We're yep. talking about that. Like, while it's amazing that the grassroots level it's being done and it's getting done, but the impact sadly would be so much bigger if it was done on a, corporate level like that's the other yep. thing too it's like you mentioned pride month it's like every june every every organization suddenly it's just like rainbow colors everywhere everybody rainbow washes yeah july 1st rolls around back to back, back. to like back to stat. it's like well wait a minute whoa 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 february everybody is a black history month like co corporation march 1st we're done that it's like we did our part it's like whoa 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 there are like 365 days in the year. There's 12 months, 52 weeks. Like sometimes there's a leap year. Like so, but like it only matters when it's like a holiday. Like I don't know. Like I've seen Christmas trees that are up longer than like most corporations <laughs> celebrate like the human experience. And yeah. you know we're at a weird point in this country where for some reason in some states and some politicians still see the LGBTQIA plus community as the other it is now more important than ever for folks like yourself and hopefully i like that again i consider myself an ally you know who disagree with these people and come together and you recently put out a call on twitter to other groups in american soccer as you had mentioned earlier to join forces though almost like come together like uh like the avengers here i use that word <laughs> a lot but it seems to just be so appropriate um what was that response like and i know you mentioned earlier that the landscape of lgbtqia plus supporters groups is not as vast as i thought it was here in the states but like were you able to at least like not only make new connections but then like maybe even spark like other groups overseas that are sort of like joining the rally cry to help like amplify this, you know, because if so, it's not just an American issue, like this can also affect essentially become an English issue, an Italian issue, a German issue. A, it certainly is a Qatari issue. Absolutely. Um, so I, I did put up that call and that's kind of where I mentioned I had some posts about wh what groups exist and where we're at. Um, I did develop a couple connections with that. Things are very early. You know, I can't say it. There just isn't a whole lot yet to say about that. Um, I will say that um, for those who are unfamiliar in Europe, there's football versus homophobia, um, which is an organization. And there's a football versus homophobia Americas organization. Now, um, the poor folks that run that are covering all of the Americas, not just North America, not just the United States of America. So they're busy folks and they got a lot on their mind, but they've been really welcoming and uh, engaging with me about, um, you know, doing this on the American side of the pond. And um, it's it's something I'm trying to figure out. It's early days. I'm trying to figure out how best to do it. But I do love the idea of these supporters groups supporting each other, yeah. whether it's ideas, um, you know, whether it's when something's happening in your state and you need letters written or, you know, uh, activism at some level that we can call on each other to help with that. Because right now, you know, in a lot of states, Nebraska very much included, we're dealing with some real shit. And um, 
and it's tough. I mean, uh, we we've had a rebound in the way that people are treating and thinking about LGBT, and I and I actually don't want to overstate it because I think the mo- majority of Americans are still on our side and fine with it, but and don't have an issue with our community. But you know, there is a very small margin of American society that has decided to otherize trans folks, especially and mm-hmm. LGBTQIA folks generally, um, and you know. 20-some states right now have anti-trans legislation. Nebraska is one of them. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I, I mentioned this on a, another conversation I was having. You know, we in Omaha, one of our, one of the, uh, I guess, chants or songs we sing is about solidarity forever. Um, I'm sure most people are in soccer are familiar with the song at one point or another. And Omaha has adopted it like a lot. Um, but it fits very well with the labor nature. Omaha has a very strong labor history and Union Omaha is in part meant to, uh, the name Union Omaha is meant to reflect that. Um, and I think solidarity is important. And so whether it's, so, you know, we have solidarity with our other supporters groups, our, you know, in, in Omaha, but I think it would be nice to have solidarity amongst the community in soccer, LGBTQIA community within soccer in our supporters groups. And so my hope is, um, you know, I'm just one guy in Omaha, um, but my hope is at some point we can build something. And part of it is, you know, there's uh, the independent, and I will mess this up, there's a council of independent supporters groups. There's an organization that's that on a broader base for supporters groups, but something along those lines for um, queer oriented supporters groups, I think would be nice where we can rely on each other. We can share ideas, how we can just share which sticker company has the best deals right now. Right. <laughs> you know, that's half of my time is spent making new stickers and trying to find a good place to source stickers that uh, isn't a musk loving organization like some, um, but uh, so, you know, we're, we're constantly fighting those battles and merch and all of that stuff to try to get our message out. So it'd be nice to have that support um, as someone who, helps in the running of one of these groups and be nice to have expertise, you know, because we're a baby group. We're less than a year old and Union Omaha is a baby organization compared to most of these MLS sides and some of the championship sides. So I like that idea. My hope is that we'll get there, but it's really early days. But you've done so much though. I want you and the organization to be proud of yourself and please relay this message to them. Hopefully they hear it in a few months time when they, yeah. they <laughs> but like you've done so much you've done. And there's still like, I know it's early days and those days are long and those days are going to, and they're going to, but there's more ahead. And that's the thing. It's like, you've done so much already that is so inspiring and so beautiful. And I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. I I really appreciate that, but I'm impatient. So, um, look, I get it. I get it. But like, you know, but pat yourself on the back <laughs> baby steps it's like uh, what's the, it's like that meme with uh sterling archer from the uh, cartoon archer or animated series sorry animated series not cartoon <laughs> Ar- hooray for small miracles that he's holding up a shot glass like that's that's it um but ed as uh as we come towards the end of this podcast i'm going to ask you three questions the rapid fire segment of the podcast that i ask every guest now time for a coffee break Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code Mundial for 10% off your first order. First question is, uh, if I know the club is young, so 
we can we can dabble a little bit. We can get a little creative. If you could bring back a retired player or former player uh, to Union Omaha, who would it be and why? Oh, that's uh, that's tough. Uh, there are a couple, three that come to mind immediately. But I'll be honest, there's one that at the top of my mind because he just got signed by one of our rivals. Um, and he's a man named Devin Boyce, um, who is a spitfire midfielder who with unending energy and a creative mind that's brilliant. He played for us our first two years. He won a title with us. He then moved up to the championship, and that's what we want of all of our players. You know, we're, we're tier three. Guys will want to come play here if they see that there's a future moving up. So we're glad that guys move up. And so he moved up to Memphis last year, was injured much of the year, didn't get a lot of playing time. And he just came back to USL League One and he signed for the Greenville Triumph, who is, uh, we have a lot of rivals. Uh, Omaha, <laughs> because we have such a loud and vocal fan base, we've, we've annoyed people. But um, <laughs> Greenville is who we would have played that first championship. Um, and who got the kind of walkover title over us. Um, then that's who we beat to win the championship our second year in the final. So Omaha and Greenville have been really two of the you know preeminent teams in the league for the last since Omaha's existed. And so now he's playing for, I won't call them their bitter rivals because we actually love them very much. And they're some of as proud owls, Greenville fans are some of our biggest supporters in the league. But then um, there's some really great great people at Greenville, but still seeing him put on that Greenville shirt is going to break my heart. So I, I would bring Devin back to Omaha. All righty. Now money's not an option. We're playing ultimate fantasy football here. If proud owls, I'm sorry. If uh union Omaha could sign one player today, who would it be and why? Oh my goodness. Um, Gosh, that you know, I mean, that's tough, right? I mean, because you know, the easy answer is let's get messy and you know into American <laughs> soccer, right? I mean, come on, why not? But you know, um, if we're thinking maybe a, a little younger, um, you know, I, I've I, I was on a. I hope you don't mind me talking about one of. It's not really one of your competitors. It's a different podcast, but it's fine. Not a it's fine. Look. As I said, laziest podcast host of all time. No one's a competitor. You can edit out if you want, but um, it's a podcast called LGBT FC. So it's 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 a LGBT soccer podcast. That's not um, a, that's not a competitor. That's well, probably someone we're gonna direct. have on in the future. Exactly, it's not a direct competitor, but you know, it's a different podcast. Um, and you know, we all have finite amount of time to listen to podcasts. But um, I was on LGBT FC, and they do a great portion at the end uh, to try to kind of invert gender norms right so they ask who your favorite woman women's player is who you think the sexiest men's player is um just to kind of play with that cliche of gender norms um and i was hesitant to get into sexy players etc because i'm 44 and these guys are 20 so come on right like i mean i I don't want to be creepy um so i went with a slightly different angle about it and i said marcus rashford and the reason and i'll bring in the reason and i'm a first fan right so this is a little painful to say this stuff but because of what Marcus Rashford has done off the pitch um, and the human being that he is. I mean, that quality of human being, he can play for any team that I ever root for any time in my life. Never mind the talent. The guy's got a ton of talent. If he's coached correctly, he can be a world beater. But, um, you know, just that type of quality of human being, that's who I want represent wearing my kit and representing my club. Love it. That's great. That's great. Um, and finally... What has been your favorite moment as a fan? Can I give you two? You can give me as many as you want. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to give you two. One is um, 
the, and it's a silly one, but it's the night we got our kits, right? Um, we'd ordered them, we'd made them, we got them, and, you know, uh, I don't even know how many of us, a dozen and a half, 18 of us are wearing them, we get together for a picture. That was really just impactful for me to have this photograph of us holding our flag, all of us wearing our kits, and it was really kind of a moment of, you know, it was a coming of age moment for Proud Owls, and we did it in the middle of the stadium with fans all around us, and people saw us for the first time in the stadium wearing our kits, and you know, just on an emotional, personal level, forget soccer for a second. That was just incredibly impactful. Having just started a group a few months before with Phoebe, for us to be able to see that happen, um, and for other people to see it happening, right? Um, to see us wearing them. So that was number one. And then number two is the night we won the cup. Um, you know, I mean, it's just being in the stadium watching your favorite team, you know, I love Tottenham, but I love Union Omaha overalls, right? I mean, I am a Union Omaha fan. And um, to watch them especially beat Greenville (laughs) in the cup, to dominate that game, frankly, 3-1. And, uh, you know, we scored a first goal in the first 10 minutes and it was, we were off to the races, I think with 3-0 and then they got a consolation goal towards the end. Um, To have that kind of dominance in that game against, at that point, our biggest rivals, it's hard to beat that moment. Um, and then to hear that final whistle and all and just the roar that goes up. And then, you know, the roar when our captain finally gets to lift the cup, you know, mm-hmm. that's the great, you know, soccer's great. The players get the cup. The owner doesn't get the cup. Right. The players get to lift the cup. Like why? I don't understand how every other sport on earth hasn't figured out that soccer has this right. Um, and to see our captain, you know, lift the cup that moment and see the confetti go up. I mean, it's hard to beat that moment. It that's awesome. That now here's my question to you though, because I'm not that familiar with like a, a USL uh, League One celebration. Now, do the fans get to run on the field and like celebrate? No, um, we didn't, but what we did have a chance to do was go out with the team and drink afterwards. Oh, it's even better. Okay, um, right. <laughs> you know, because this is you know, this is USL League One, so we know where. All of our players are housed, right? That's part of USL League One. The club provides housing for all the players. So we know where they live. We know the <laughs> neighborhoods they frequent. You know, I run into them at my local pizza shop um, because that's a supporter of the club, the pizza shop, and it's just fantastic. Uh, Virtuoso Pizza in Benson, if anyone's in Omaha. Um, <laughs> I get no money for that, by the way. Um, and do I, so it's all right. It's fine. Okay, good, good. good. Um, you know, so we see our club, we see our guys all over. And so, no, we weren't allowed to run on the field. It's a, you know, secured environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but the team went out and the cup came with them and everyone was allowed to take pictures of the cup after, you know, till midnight, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning that night, everyone was hanging out and celebrating and partying. And so, you know, that's, again, grassroots soccer, local level soccer. It's great. You know, that I, I Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are MLS owners that are coming to tailgates and hanging out for an hour before kickoff. I don't imagine that's the case because, you know, usually there are 15 owners anyway. Um, And I, you know, but we get that. Our owner actually comes and hangs out with us and we love it. That's, that's truly incredible. I mean, when I had a USL team at one point, which was the New York Cosmos, they don't exist anymore. Uh, It was great. What you're describing room, conjures up all those beautiful memories when they played at Hofstra and then when they played in Coney Island. But, um, but it was, but I never got to drink with the owner though. But it's all right. It's all right. The owner, the owner brought Raul from Real Madrid on over. So it's okay. It was okay. Well, I'm going to tell you, you have an open invitation. Come to Omaha during the season. 
I'll, I'll get you in. You don't have to buy your ticket. Uh, tickets on me. Um, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll hook you up at least with the GM. The owner's not here every game, right? He's a busy guy, and he's but he's here about half of all home games. So I can't guarantee you a conference with Gary Green, though. Fellow New Yorkers, you guys might really have a lot. You might actually, about. yeah. We we probably <laughs> run into each other. Um, I, you know what? I might take you up on that because suddenly I have an interest in Omaha, and absolutely. This great. And look, I'm gonna come. Only if I can wear only if I can wear a Proud Owls jersey. Like that's, well, I'll have to lend you mine. The problem is, you know, all of New York. We, we'll have to get them to do another run. That's um, fine. Okay, all right. Um, but yeah. but I can lend you mine, or uh, I can get someone to lend you one for that night for sure. Sounds good. And we're making scarves. We are actually in the process of finishing our. One of the things I also love about the level we're at is I found and I've identified a local queer young designer who's helping us design our scarves and so we're getting the chance to kind of integrate other people in the community into what we're doing um and so we should have a scarf design i just i just saw a message come through that it won't be tonight but tomorrow hopefully <laughs> and then we'll make a scarf so we'll we'll get you a scarf don't worry sounds good all right as long as i get something then uh and thank you so much this has been super awesome super enlightening and keep doing what you're doing and keep doing and keep pushing the club, keep pushing your organization and give everybody a high five for me. Absolutely. I will do. And the only thing I would ask of you and your listeners is to keep, keep an eye on these legislation, you know, these pieces of legislation right now. Um, like I mentioned in Nebraska, we've got some anti-trans legislation that's just terrible. And it will, you know, in my view, it will lead to kids dying. The kids will kill themselves. They will lose the care they need. So Let's all right before we go because that is important. That is an important topic. Sorry. Um, no, no. How can someone that's not in Nebraska put some pressure on those politicians that are trying to do what they want to do? Well, you know, I mean, I don't think you have to be a constituent to send a letter or send an email, and cool. all of our state legislature's information is available online. Um, but you can also support local organizations. If you want to make a donation to an organization in Nebraska, like uh, Out Nebraska, just what you'd expect, O-U-T Nebraska. Uh, we have a local or local uh, GLSEN, um, which used to be, I believe, the Gay and Lesbian, Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, but now they're just gone by GLSEN. Um, we have a local Omaha chapter of GLSEN. Um, happens to be, not, your readers won't be able to see it, but that's our shirt sponsor on the kit that I'm wearing. Um, you know, if you wanted to donate to those types of local organizations, local ACLU, local out in Nebraska, local Glisten, local GLAD, those organizations, I'm sure they're under constant stress these days, especially with this legislation that's going on um, and with the general kind of change in political climate we've seen in the last couple of years. So if anyone has a few extra bucks they can spare for those groups, um, whether in Nebraska or another red state, I mean, this is there's 20 plus states that this is happening and we're not the only one. Um, and, you know, my hope is we'll be able to defeat it here, but already we've seen it pass, I believe, in Tennessee and Utah. And um, so there's going to be legal fights. Lambda Legal is probably another organization people can consider mm -hmm. because there's going to be legal fights over these bills. Hopefully we can get them overturned in court. But if we can stop them on the front end, that would be best. So if anyone wants to write a letter to our local state legislature, feel free. Uh, the more we clog their inbox, I don't think they're going to track where everyone's from. But <laughs> beyond that. Um, if anyone, like I said, if you have a few spare bucks, you know, we don't need money. Proud Owls, is, we're not collecting money. Don't look, you know, that's not our gig. Um, we're happy to collect it with our shirts and our scarves and things like that. But, you know, there are local organizations like out in Nebraska um, that would be really, would really appreciate whatever they got. Cool. Everyone, please go 
go to those places, go find those organizations. If you got a couple, as this, as Ed said, got a couple bucks, it does a world of good. Um, Ed, thank you so much. It's now, been my pleasure. Now I'm officially going to let you leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, letting us, letting me come on and talk and for spreading the word about what we're doing. We, uh, like I said, it's labor of love, something we're very passionate about. We appreciate the opportunity to chat with you about it. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.